Today is the 13th day of March. Welcome to the Daily Audio Bible. I'm Brian. It's great to be here. It's great to be here with you today as we prepare to reach the conclusion of another one of our weeks together and draw our work week to a close. And even as we do that, we're going to be entering a new book today, the Gospel of Luke. And we get to the New Testament and we'll talk about that when we get there. But first, let's continue our journey through the book of Numbers. We're reading from the contemporary English version this week. And today, Numbers 19 and 20. The Lord gave Moses and Aaron the following law. The people of Israel must bring Moses a reddish-brown cow that has nothing wrong with it, and that has never been used for plowing. Moses will give it to Eleazar the priest, then it will be led outside the camp and killed while Eleazar watches. He will dip his finger into the blood and sprinkle it seven times in the direction of the sacred tent. Then the whole cow, including its skin, meat, blood, and insides must be burned. A priest is to throw a stick of cedar wood a hyssop branch, and a piece of red yarn into the fire. After the ceremony, the priest is to take a bath and wash his clothes. Only then can he go back into the camp, but he remains unclean and unfit for worship until evening. The man who burned the cow must also wash his clothes and take a bath, but he is also unclean until evening. A man who isn't unclean must collect the ashes of the burnt cow and store them outside the camp in a clean place. The people of Israel can mix these ashes with the water used in the ceremony to wash away sin. The man who collects the ashes must wash his clothes, but will remain unclean until evening. This law must always be obeyed by the people of Israel and the foreigners living among them. The Lord said, If you touch a dead body, you will be unclean for seven days. But if you wash with the water mixed with the cow's ashes on the third day, and again on the seventh day, you will be clean and acceptable for worship. You must wash yourself on those days. If you don't, you will remain unclean. Suppose you touch a dead body but refuse to be made clean by washing with the water mixed with ashes. You will be guilty of making my sacred tent unclean and will no longer belong to the people of Israel. If someone dies in a tent while you are there, you will be unclean for seven days, and anyone who later enters the tent will also be unclean. Any open jar in the tent is unclean. If you touch the body of someone who was killed or who died of old age, or if you touch a human bone or a grave, you will be unclean for seven days. Before you can be made clean, someone who is clean must take some of the ashes from the burnt cow and stir them into a pot of spring water. That same person must dip a hyssop branch in the water and ashes, then sprinkle it on the tent and everything in it, including everyone who was inside. 
If you have touched a human bone, a grave, or a dead body, you must be sprinkled with that water. If this is done on the third day and on the seventh day, you will be clean. Then after you take a bath and wash your clothes, you can worship that evening. If you are unclean and refuse to be made clean by washing with the water mixed with ashes, you will be guilty of making my sacred tent unclean and you will no longer belong to the people of Israel. These laws will never change. The man who sprinkled the water and the ashes on you when you were unclean must also wash his clothes. And whoever touches this water is unclean until evening. When you are unclean, everything you touch becomes unclean. And anyone who touches you will be unclean until evening. The people of Israel arrived at the Zin Desert during the first month and set up camp near the town of Kadesh. It was there that Miriam died and was buried. The Israelites had no water, so they went to Moses and Aaron and complained, Moses, we'd be better off if we had died along with the others in front of the Lord's sacred tent. You brought us into this desert and now we and our livestock are going to die. Egypt was better than this horrible place. At least there we had grain and figs and grapevines and pomegranates, but now we don't even have any water. Moses and Aaron went to the entrance to the sacred tent where they bowed down. The Lord appeared to them in all of his glory and said, Moses, get your walking stick. Then you and Aaron call the people together and command that rock to give you water. That's how you will provide water for the people of Israel and their livestock. Moses obeyed and took his stick from the sacred tent. After he and Aaron had gathered the people around the rock, he said, Look, you rebellious people, and you will see water flow from this rock. He raised his stick in the air and struck the rock two times. At once, water gushed from the rock, and the people and their livestock had water to drink. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you refused to believe in my power, these people did not respect me, and so you will not be the ones to lead them into the land I have promised. The Israelites had complained against the Lord, and he had shown them his holy power by giving them water to drink. So they named the place Meribah, which means complaining. Moses sent messengers from Israel's camp near Kadesh with this message for the king of Edom. We are Israelites, your own relatives, and we're sure you have heard the terrible things that have happened to us. Our ancestors settled in Egypt and lived there a long time. But later the Egyptians were cruel to us, and when we begged our Lord for help, he answered our prayer and brought us out of that land. Now we are camped at the border of your territory, near the town of Kadesh. Please let us go through your country. We won't go near your fields and vineyards and we won't drink any water from your wells. We will stay on the main road until we leave your territory. 
But the Edomite king answered, No, I won't let you go through our country, and if you try, we will attack you. Moses sent back this message, We promise to stay on the main road, and if any of us or our livestock drink your water, we will pay for it. We just want to pass through. But the Edomite king insisted, You can't go through our land. Then Edom sent out its strongest troops to keep Israel from passing through its territory. So the Israelites had to go in another direction. After the Israelites had left Kadesh and had gone as far as Mount Hor, on the Edomite border, the Lord said, Aaron, this is where you will die. You and Moses disobeyed me at Meribah, and so you will not enter the land I promised the Israelites. Moses, go with Aaron and his son Eleazar to the top of the mountain. Then take Aaron's priestly robe from him and place it on Eleazar. Aaron will die there. Moses obeyed, and everyone watched as he and Aaron and Eleazar walked to the top of Mount Hor. Moses then took the priestly robe from Aaron and placed it on Eleazar. Aaron died there. When Moses and Eleazar came down, the people knew that Aaron had died, and they mourned his death for thirty days. Okay, so this brings us to the Gospel of Luke, and Luke is a little bit more of an intriguing gospel. It's the third of the Synoptic Gospels, and as we talked about Uh, As we encountered the other two Gospels, the Synoptic Gospels are called that because they're very similar in the way they're composed. And they definitely share some of the same stories, even some of the same phrases, very similar in the way that they're laid out. So similar that it's widely believed by scholars that one couldn't exist without the other. Uh, And even though they were written at different times and to different people, they were... Well, especially Mark was used as source material for the others. And uh, we'll enjoy the Gospel of Luke tremendously because it's the tightest, most concise of the Gospels. It's written well. It flows well in its uh, narrative style. And we'll get used to this flow because we'll see it again. Because Luke didn't only write the Gospel of Luke, he also wrote the book of Acts. And we'll come to after we finish the Gospels. Now, we've read Matthew and Mark. We're now going to read Luke and we're going to encounter some of the same stories from a bit of a different perspective because the Gospels have a different perspective and a purpose. So, for example, when we read the Gospel of Matthew, when we started our year together and read Matthew, we noticed Jesus was fulfilling prophecies. Like, that was the point. This was done because it fulfilled this prophecy. And so Jesus is fulfilling all of these prophecies, letting us know that this is a narrative established to speak to Hebrew people. Luke will take us through these stories again that we're familiar with, but Luke is written to a Gentile audience. And so it's revealing that the gospel is inclusive, is not a Hebrew-only religion. It includes the whole world and welcomes all who believe into the family. 
So, with that in mind, we begin the third gospel, Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 25. Many people have tried to tell the story of what God has done among us. They wrote what we had been told by the ones who were there in the beginning and saw what happened. So I made a careful study of everything and then decided to write and tell you exactly what took place. Honorable Theophilus, I have done this to let you know the truth about what you have heard. When Herod was king of Judea, there was a priest by the name of Zechariah from a priestly group of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was from the family of Aaron. Both of them were good people and pleased the Lord God by obeying all that he had commanded. But they did not have children. Elizabeth could not have any, and both Zechariah and Elizabeth were already old. One day, Zechariah's group of priests were on duty and he was serving God as a priest. According to the custom of the priests... He had been chosen to go into the Lord's temple that day and to burn incense, while the people stood outside praying. All at once, an angel from the Lord appeared to Zechariah at the right side of the altar. Zechariah was confused and afraid when he saw the angel, but the angel told him, Don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayers. Your wife, Elizabeth, will have a son and you must name him John. His birth will make you very happy and many people will be glad. Your son will be a great servant of the Lord. He must never drink wine or beer, and the power of the Holy Spirit will be with him from the time he is born. John will lead many people in Israel to turn back to the Lord their God. He will go ahead of the Lord with the same power and spirit that Elijah had. And because of John, parents will be more thoughtful of their children, and people who now disobey God will begin to think as they ought to. That is how John will get people ready for the Lord. Zechariah said to the angel, How will I know this is going to happen? My wife and I are both very old. The angel answered, I am Gabriel, God's servant, and I was sent to tell you this good news. You have not believed what I have said, so you will not be able to say a thing until all this happens. But everything will take place when it is supposed to. The crowd was waiting for Zechariah and kept wondering why he was staying so long in the temple. When he did come out, he could not speak and they knew he had seen a vision. He motioned to them with his hands, but did not say a thing. When Zechariah's time of service in the temple was over, he went home. Soon after that, his wife was expecting a baby, and for five months she did not leave the house. She said to herself, What the Lord has done for me will keep people from looking down on me. Psalm 56 For the music leader To the tune A silent dove in the distance 
a special psalm by David when the Philistines captured him in Gath, a prayer of trust in God. Have pity, God Most High. My enemies chase me all day. Many of them are pursuing and attacking me, but even when I am afraid, I keep on trusting you. I praise your promises. I trust you and am not afraid. No one can harm me. Enemies spend the whole day finding fault with me. All they think about is how to do me harm. They attack from ambush, watching my every step and hoping to kill me. They won't get away with these crimes, God, because when you get angry, you destroy people. You have kept record of my days of wandering. You have stored my tears in your bottle and counted each of them. When I pray, Lord God, my enemies will retreat because I know for certain that you are with me. I praise your promises. I trust you and am not afraid. No one can harm me. I will keep my promises to you, my God, and bring you gifts. You protected me from death and kept me from stumbling, so that I would please you and follow the light that leads to life. Proverbs 11, 8 Trouble goes right past the Lord's people and strikes the wicked. Okay, so it may not have seemed like it as we were reading through our, uh, our reading from Numbers today, but some pretty monumental shifts happened today in the Old Testament. So let's just look at those so, so we have context for where we're going. The children of Israel have moved out. They've been disqualified from moving into the promised land. They've been turned back into the desert to wander until the whole first generation, the people who came out of Egypt, dies, leaving basically the conquest of the promised land to the, the second generation, to the children who were supposed to grow up free in the land of promise. They're going to have to do what their parents didn't. And that's a pretty big deal. And that's why there's a lot of this review going on about the laws. And one thing that we should gather is that God is expecting precision. He is expecting ultimate obedience here. They are in the wilderness where utter dependence upon God is being made more and more apparent to them. And they're complaining about it every time their faith gets stretched. And that sounds so familiar. Nevertheless, they're out in the wilderness and they need to get somewhere. And to get somewhere, the best way that they can go that they're being led is through the land of Edom. But the Edomites are like, absolutely not. And we could, we could understand why they would have concerns. Like a million people are going to come on this main road and walk through. And they're going to pay for their water and they're not going to do anything like that just doesn't quite add up. So you could understand why they would have some pushback. But the important piece about this 
is what Moses said. We are family. And that is true. The Hebrew people were the descendants of Jacob. The Edomites were the descendants of Esau. Jacob and Esau. And if we'll remember the misdirection and um, trickery of Jacob that was visited on Esau, well, we can sort of see that the family rift is centuries old and the Edomites won't let them pass. That's a mistake on the part of the Edomites. And there are other things along the way that they do. And an entire book of minor prophecy will be devoted to the Edomites once we get near the end of our year together. But this is important. They turned to their family to get where they needed to go and they were rejected. And so there's no water. The people are grumbling and complaining to Moses again. We would have been better off if we died before the tent of meeting than to die of thirst out here in the desert. We would have been better off in Egypt. And this is becoming a recurring theme. We're in the wilderness going toward the promised land, but slavery was better. Let's go back to slavery. And again, sounds so familiar because we walk in these footsteps so often. God tells Moses to go out to a rock and commanded to give water. He gathers the people together and gets his walking stick as God had told him to do. And then he basically yells at the people, you rebels, you rebellious people, right? you stiff-necked people. Do we have to bring water out of this rock? And then Moses hits the rock twice. And water comes out. But that's not what God told Moses to do. He told Moses to go speak to the rock. He didn't tell him to yell at the people and ask them if he had to bring water out of the rock for them. And what a nuisance and all this. And show anger and strike the rock. So God gave them the water that they needed to survive. Unfortunately, the anger and rebelliousness in Moses' own heart disqualified him from leading the people into the promised land that will also be left for the next generation and after that Moses and Aaron and his son Eleazar climbed Mount Hor Eleazar was installed as the high priest and Aaron passed from the story one interesting thing one thing that was pointed out to me when I was much, much younger that I that I've always held on to because the exclusion of Moses from leading the people into the, the promised land seems pretty pretty harsh. Like he didn't get to go. Like he got to lead them but he didn't get to go. But we do find Moses in the promised land. We find him along with Jesus at his transfiguration speaking to Jesus in the promised land. And speaking of Jesus, we're just, just getting going in the gospel of Luke. And so what's being set up here is the story of Zechariah and his wife, Elizabeth, who were very old, but were foretold that they would be having a child in their old age. And of course, there's clear parallels here with Abraham and Sarah. 
Zechariah was told as a priest of God in the temple, offering incense before the Lord, he was told by an angelic visitation that he would have a son, that his son would be named John, that he would be a prophetic voice that would prepare the way of the Lord. And this prophetic voice would be really the first prophet in 400 years, the time that passes between the Old and New Testaments. So we can often think that John shows up out of the wilderness wearing camel's hair and eating grasshoppers, and that's true, that's what the Bible says, but he got there somehow. He's the son of a priest. A vision, an angelic vision, happened in the temple. And when John emerged from the temple, he couldn't speak. This wouldn't go unnoticed until somebody just shows up out of the wilderness with a message of repentance. There would have been a lot of wondering about who this child might be. And we'll pick up with that story tomorrow. And so, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for its beauty and the way that it can touch so many parts of our lives, that it can touch us on so many levels and cause us to ponder and contemplate our own lives and our own path. And so we are so grateful for this and we are so grateful for one another. We are so grateful that we can do this together in community. So come, Holy Spirit, and plant the words from the scriptures into the soil of our lives today. And may they grow and yield fruit for your kingdom. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. DailyAudioBible.com is home base. It's a website. It's where you find out what's going on around here. It's how you stay connected. You find all the different links to stay connected in the community section. It's where the prayer wall lives. That's in the community section as well. Uh, the Daily Audio Bible Shop is there. Resources are there. I guess one thing I haven't talked about in a long time is coffee. Coffee. Coffee and tea are a part of my daily life and have been for, I guess, as long as I've been an adult. So a long time. And uh, we've been involved in coffee and tea for well over a decade. We have our own brand, roast our own coffee in Colorado, source our own tea, uh, and you can have it delivered to you each month, or you can just choose what you like and have it sent to you. That all is in an effort to, uh, well, to offer resources that we're kind of going to consume anyway, usually, like maybe we're going to have a cup of coffee of some sort. Maybe we're going to pay a premium for it. And we just started thinking, you know, we're, we're lovers of these things. We consume these things. What if, what if, what if we could create a superior product, fresher product, get it to people fresher uh, and um, kind of like use the old monastic way of making things to support the monastery, you know, like maybe we could have a few of these things that would just kind of help out a little bit. And so that's kind of where coffee came from, but it's become a part of the fabric of the global campfire. Coffee and the Bible pair well together, so does tea. I mean, it just uh, it's a relaxing kind of ritual to enjoy waking up, uh, waking up spiritually, waking up physically, or winding down for that matter. 
So those resources are available in the Daily Addy Bible Shop. Just look for coffee and tea. Yeah, you can have it sent each month or just, you know. Oh, and we also have, we went in search of this. It was for a long time coming too. What what, what kind of a more instant, instantly available coffee could we provide? Like, you know, we've had like, could you do the K-cup thing? And we looked at that and we looked at how old that coffee is and how long and it's got to sit, how much of it you've got to make so that there's, no way it's going to be fresh, but we did find a way of steeping coffee. It's like basically a coffee filter that you would pour your coffee through, like in your coffee drip maker, uh, wrapped around coffee, and you just steep it like tea, and uh, so that it's nitro sealed to push the oxygen out, so it doesn't oxidize, so it doesn't break down and deteriorate, and keeps uh, keeps well. And so those are great. Keep those with me wherever I go, because. A lot of times, you know, a lot of times I find myself staying in hotels and that's not the greatest option for coffee. So these are available just to kind of have at the office and and such. And you'll find those in the shop as well in the coffee uh, and tea section. So check those things out. If you want to partner with the Daily Audio Bible, you can do that at dailyaudiobible.com. There's a link that uh, lives on the homepage. And I thank you for your partnership. If what we're doing around this global campfire brings warmth and light into your life, then throw a log on from time to time. Thank you for your partnership. If you're using the the Daily Audio Bible app, you can press the Give button in the upper right-hand corner. Or if you prefer, the mailing address is P.O. Box 1996, Spring Hill, Tennessee, Three seven one seven four. And as always, if you have a prayer request or encouragement, you can hit the hotline button, the little red button in the app, or you can dial 877-942-4253. And that is it for today. I'm Brian. I love you. And I'll be waiting for you here tomorrow. Hey, fellow divers, this is Joe the Protector from Georgia. Uh, let's see, what is it? It's Monday, March 9th, 7.42 in the morning. Just got finished listening to the dab for the night. And just, uh, I heard Yolanda from Atlanta call in about her son, Al. And... I was rejoicing at first when she started, and then near the end, became sad because of the news of of the turmoil this young man's going through, and what Satan is putting our young children in and through. Um, I just want to lift him up this morning. I want to pray protection and guidance over his life. Just uh, ask that the Lord close him in spiritual armor every day. And Davers, if y'all will, lift up me and my family. I found out my oldest daughter, who's 21, uh, found out yesterday morning that she's wanting to become part of the pornography or sex industry. And uh, 
So I'm pretty distraught at that and uh, have given some ultimatums and we'll see what happens. Okay. Love all y'all dabbers. Sorry I haven't called in a while. Listen and still pray for everyone. Uh, just been so time wrapped up. I'll try to call in more. Thank you. Love y'all. Bye. Hi, DAB family. This is Walter, the burning bush that will not be devoured for the glory of our God and King. I'm calling for Al, the sixth grader from Atlanta. Al, before I even pray for you, I want you to know that you are loved. You are so special to God. I love you and I don't even know you yet. Um, so don't let the enemy lie to you. You are so precious and God has a purpose for your life. And that is why the enemy is attacking you so, so, so fiercely. So Father God, I pray for Al. I commit this child into your hands. I come against every lie the enemy is planting into his spirit. I bind it in the name of Jesus. And Father, I pray that you uproot every lie and replant your seed of truth into his heart, Father. I pray that you prepare people children around him to show him how loved he is. God, I pray that you will pick out friends for him, friends at church, friends at school, people with whom he can relate. God, whatever it is that he's going through, Lord, I pray that you help him, oh God. You know exactly what he's going through, Lord. I pray that you will touch his heart and I pray that you will cover him. I pray you surround him, oh Lord with a hedge of protection, Father. I pray for his mom and dad. God, I pray that you keep them safe, give them wisdom to be there for him. And God, I just thank you, Lord, for sending your angels out there with him every day to school. Let him know that you have an army surrounding him every single day. And God, I just pray that you call for your own, Lord, that they will come and just lift him up and help him become that great man of God that he is meant to be. Al, you are Jesus' pal, and he loves you with all his heart. Love you too. Bye. Hi, everyone. This is Candace from Oregon. I'm trying to learn to do technology still without my husband. He was, <laughs> he was so advanced in that way <laughs> that we were one of the first people ever to own a personal computer, ever, way back in the day. So I've got in on all the benefits, but not necessarily any of the you know learning how to do it because he would just do stuff for me it'll be three years tomorrow since he passed away so pray for me as i continue on this journey without him i can't wait to see him again one day he's the one who introduced me to daily audio bible bless you each one i just can't even tell you what you all mean to me i'm praying for you Good morning, Daily Audio Bible. This is Denise. And from the community prayer on February 29th, I would like to reach out to Bull and Pink Paint, who um, at different times in the prayer, in the prayer release, uh, talked about fighting depression and anxiety and um, feeling like they were losing the fight, feeling like they were winning the fight, um, worrying that while they fight these things, that they uh, were not able to serve God. And I would just like to validate that the fight against depression and anxiety is one of the most worthwhile fights in the kingdom of God. No, it isn't saving orphans from burning buildings or 
any of the things that we see from an outwardly show, but God made us wonderful and beautiful and complex, but also susceptible um, to the enemy so that we may call out to him and he would push back and it would be a fight together. It is not a lost effort to win against anxiety and depression. And I love you both. And I want to read James 5, uh, 13 through 18 over you. Father, uh, there are those among us who are suffering and we want to pray over them. Uh, Father, there are those among us who are not cheerful and we want to sing psalms over them. There are those of us uh, among us who are sick and we want to call to the elders of the church and pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise them up. And if they have committed sins, they will be forgiven. We will confess our trespasses to one another and pray for one another that we may be healed healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain in the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. And Father, I command over bull and over pink paint that it is time for their earth to yield fruit, and the rain shall come. Happy birthday. This is Denise, and I want to pray over John from the community prayer February 22nd. He said that his marriage was in desolation over a brave confession of indiscretion against his wife. And John, you have been in my heart, and I have been trying not to pray for this for quite some time, and God just simply will not have it. So my words are for you, and I pray over your family and over all of the things that are broken and all the things that can be healed. So I'm going to go to Ezekiel 36, uh, verse 30 and on. Um, and I will multiply the fruit of your trees and increase your field so that you need never again bear the reproach of famine among the nations. Then you will remember your evil ways and your deeds that were not good. And you will loathe yourselves in your own sight for your iniquities and your abominations. Not for your sake I do this, said the Lord. Let it be known to you. Be ashamed and confounded for your own ways, O house of Israel." 
Thus says the Lord God, on the day that I cleanse you from all your iniquities, I will also enable you to dwell in the cities, and the ruins shall be rebuilt. The desolate land shall be tilled instead of lying desolate in the sight of all who pass by. So they will say, this land was desolate and has become like the Garden of Eden, and the wasted, desolate, and ruined cities are now fortified and inhabited. Then the nations which are left all around shall know that I, the Lord, have rebuilt the ruined places and planted what was desolate. I, the Lord, have spoken, and I will do it. John, I pray over your family. Heavenly Father, I pray over John. I pray over his wife and her broken heart. I pray over all of the evil that is brought into this world that tears families apart. And Father, I know you can knit this back together. John is begging for it. I know you will bring the resources to them, the people who will help them and hold their hands and help them learn and love. Father, if it's marriage, if that's your will, if it's friendship, if it's anything, but Father, I ask that you knit these two people together and heal the desolate places and let the city be rebuilt. Hey, Dab family. This is Brandon from Virginia. First of all, I just uh, I wanted to thank Brian and, and everyone involved with the recordings of this app. Uh, it's been such a blessing to me. Uh, I'm a pastor here in Virginia. And at the beginning of the year, I discovered the Daily Audio Bible. And it has just been wonderful for me. Um, you know, as a pastor, I'm in the Word regularly. But I found myself at the end of last year just being in the Word more so for my sermons and the lessons that I was teaching and not so much for my own spiritual growth. And, and so when I discovered the Daily Audio Bible, I, I was able to turn my commute into the church every morning into a, a time of spiritual growth for me. And so it's been such a blessing. In fact, even my four-month-old daughter gets to listen with me as I take her to the babysitter every morning. And I've even gotten my wife into listening to it. And so this has just been such a wonderful blessing to my family. Um, but I also wanted to ask for prayers. I am a, a youth pastor in Virginia. And... In the last month, I have had two students attempt suicide, and it's been really painful for me to, to minister to them because I care about them deeply. I, I love them as God wants me to love them, and it, it hurts to see that they aren't valuing the gift that God has given them, and so I just ask that you would... Join me and my volunteer leaders as we pray for them and pray that we would be able to show them the love of God and, and show them the joy that he has and that life is such a gift. Thank you, Daily Audio Bible family, and, and keep doing what you're doing. I love it. God bless. Thank you. 